Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space tonight, but not just into this room. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we lift up our hearts and our minds to you and hear your word, your gospel, help us to open up our bodies, our mind, and our spirit to more of your presence, to be transformed into your image in every way, Father. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and fill us, change us. Let us leave here tonight different than the way we walked in, not because we choose to, not because we tried harder, but because we opened ourselves up to your spirit and we left changed. God, let that be. God, that is the prayer. That is my prayer tonight. God, I let that be the prayer of our hearts in here, Father. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much, for team. That was awesome. Let's give it up for the worship team. All right. <clears throat> How you guys doing? How many of you guys are ready for Thanksgiving? You you dare me? I don't I don't fall for those double dogs. Get what? Orange dogs. Oh, orange dogs. All right, we are continuing our series, Let Me Sum Up. Um, so <clears throat> these next few weeks, if I can get everyone's attention, we are, we are. The plane is flying. We are in gear right now. All right, these next few weeks, we're going to be summarizing everything that I feel like is most important that we've been teaching over these last few years and few months. Um, so some of this stuff is going to sound very familiar to you, especially if you guys went to a retreat. How many of you guys went to a retreat in here? Yeah, okay, so some of this stuff is going to sound pretty familiar, Um, but it's summing up everything I believe is most important to be a follower of Jesus, or another way is a disciple of Jesus. And so the most concise way I I can think of for becoming a disciple of Jesus is there's three steps. You see them on the bottom of the screen? Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then do what he did. That is the best way to summarize, like, what is the expectation of us. That's the process. That's the end goal. Um, It's to be with Jesus. And so tonight, last week we talked about be with Jesus, abiding with him, finding that time, finding that place to be with Jesus. Tonight we're talking about what happens as a result of that is that we become more like him. Um, So have you guys ever played a game that you didn't know what the goal was? Madden? You know what the... That's a good example um, everyone lost the game just now. And if you don't know what we're talking about, that's the point. Like, <clears throat> um, so if you don't, like, imagine playing a game that you don't know the rules. Like, you don't even know what it looks like to win. Like, imagine in your head, imagine, exactly, imagine you had, like, somebody who's never heard of the game football. Like, they've never seen it. They've never heard of it. No one's ever explained it to them. And now imagine someone puts them in pads and a helmet and puts them in the middle of an NFL game and it says win. They will be so confused. They're like, why is everybody hitting me? Why am I getting tackled? What do I do with this football? Like, if you don't know what the goal is and if you don't know how to achieve that goal, you're going to be frustrated and confused. In Luke chapter 6, verse 39... 
Jesus ter- tells a parable. <clears throat> he, he says, can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. It's that last part that's most important. Like, you will be like your teacher. A disciple is a student, and the goal of being a disciple or a student of Jesus is to be like him in every way. That's what Jesus said here in this parable. But how many of you know that we don't always reach that goal? Many people will not reach the goal of becoming like Jesus. Many people don't even know that's what the goal is. Like people who aren't Christians, people who aren't following Jesus, like that don't even they don't even know that's what it means to be created as human in the image of God to emulate Jesus. But a lot of people, they don't even know, even as Christians, they don't even know why it's important to be like Jesus or how to do it, even if you do know how important it is. So let's dive into that idea with an oldie but a goodie of a sermon. So um, how many of you guys were with us whenever we preached through Ephesians last year? So we are going to look at the same passage that we looked at exactly one year ago today in Ephesians chapter 4 to help us dive into this passage. It's my favorite in Ephesians. Um, no, this one really is like top two favorite because I wrote half of my senior paper on this on this verse. That's Romans twelve. I, I wrote my senior paper in ORU on Romans twelve and Ephesians four and how they correlate and differ and all that kind of stuff. So Ephesians chapter four and verse seventeen, Paul says, "Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord." that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. And so if you're with us walking through Ephesians, remember God chose you before the foundation of the world. Paul is again, over and over again, trying to get us to wrap our mind around our new identity. And so as Christians, our identity is no longer wrapped up in who we are or, or what we do or what we have or even who we hang out with. Our identity is firmly secure in Christ. And so if we want to know, like, what is our identity? Who are we? What is the goal of our life? Paul is saying that we should go to Jesus to find out who we are and what we are created for. And because we have this new identity in in Christ, as Paul is telling us in Ephesians, Paul says that we need to separate ourselves away from that old lifestyle that we used to have before Jesus. He calls that... The old self. How many of you guys have ever had that old self? Everyone, right? Does anybody have that old self, like that past life you don't like anymore? Or how many of you guys are still living in that? No, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand for that. <clears throat> we will have an altar. Raise your hand if we'll have an altar call. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But we all have that life. If you've come to know Jesus, then you know, like, there was a part of my life that I was living in rebellion. And Paul, Paul in, in this passage, he says, do not go back to that. And he says in the Gentiles, the Gentiles in that word, that's just another word for um, anyone that wasn't Jewish. And so he's basically saying those who don't follow God. He says they were futile in their thoughts. Another way to translate futility or futile is meaningless. It's living a life that is not walking with Jesus and becoming more like him is a life that is lived without meaning and without purpose. There is no purpose to life when it is not lived God's way. You are not going towards the goal. You are not on your way to winning. 
It's like playing a game that you can't win because you don't know where the goal is and you're not working towards the goal. You guys just lost the game again. <clears throat> you know, At least it's not on the slide. I should have put that on the slide. You're gonna, you just lost. <laughs> but that is the everyday choice of being a Christian. It's choosing to walk with Christ and not go back to that life that we used to live. It's choosing to open ourselves up to His power and not trying to rely on our own, or we will go back to that old life. And here's why it's so important not to live the way that we used to. And if you, if you don't think that you're in Christ, this is a, a passage that's going to explain why it's important that you should leave that behind and go to Christ in the first place. In verse 18, it says, They, talking about the Gentiles still, are darkened in their understanding and excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of their hardness of hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. So that right there, you have a question? We're going to get to that. <clears throat> what does yours say? Oh, never mind, I don't want to get into that. Sensuality, promiscuity. It's sexual sin, basically. Like giving themselves over to sexual immorality. And so this is the life that is the opposite of what God wants for us. This is what Paul saying. He says, whenever we go our own way, we are being excluded from God. We are not living in the life of God. And that is very bad news. So Paul is saying, like, this is what happens when you go our own ways. And that is very bad news. And he says, this is because of the Gentiles' ignorance. And that ignorance, it's not because they didn't know God. Because in, in Romans, it says everyone is like, God displays his glory. Everyone has an accountability before God. He's talking about their ignorance that they knew who God was. They know his standard and they choose to walk away from him anyways. They choose not to go his way. And so basically Paul's talking to every one of us in here because now you guys all know who God is because I'm telling you, I'm telling you his standard. And so he's saying like if you ignore that, this is the life that you're going to live. And because they chose to ignore him, they became callous. Has anyone ever had a callous before? Right? Garrett's hands are just nothing but callous. Like if you rock climb a lot, you get a lot of calluses. If you work with your hands a lot, you get a lot of calluses. A callus, basically, like you know what it is. It's like you get really thick, dead skin. It's, it's just that. Like it leaves that part of your hand numb to the feeling compared to the skin that's still alive. And it gives you protection and all that kind of stuff. But that's not the way he's using callus here. He's not talking about callus on, your, on the outside. He's talking about callus in your spirit. That word for callous, it's only used one other time in the Bible, and it describes a numb feeling. It's to feel so not bothered by the consequences of what you're doing that you become callous, that you become dead to feeling and without a sense of right or wrong. That's what Paul is saying. And so, so often, here's the important part, we try to find purpose or happiness apart from God, and we look to the wrong things that end up making us feel numb and dead inside. They leave us dead to feeling. And so I'm going to give you some very practical examples of what leaves you dead. Pornography will always leave you feeling more dead inside when you're done. 
getting drunk, trying different drugs, trying vape, everything, trying to feel a high is always going to leave you feeling more dead inside. Trying to fit in, trying to do anything you can to be go along with the crowd, doing whatever it takes, that's going to make you feel more numb. Anything that is living a life apart from God will always leave you feeling what Paul says, callous, dead, and numb inside. And then notice what Paul says here. He says, a desire for more and more. Whenever we talked about this last year in Ephesians, we talked about the example of don't drink the salt water. They say that if you're stranded out in the ocean or on a deserted island, no matter what, do not drink the salt water. No matter how thirsty you are, no matter how bad you think you need that water that looks so cold and delicious, no matter how bad you think you need it to survive, do not drink it. Why? Because it says, like, the more you drink salt water, the salt in the water will dehydrate you faster than the water will hydrate you. So, like, simply, like, it will kill you. And so the thing you think you need that you're looking for to find life, to find meaning, to find purpose, to find satisfaction, like, I just need to quench my thirst, that is actually the thing that is going to kill you faster. The thing you're looking for satisfaction is killing you. And so in that deserted island thing, like you're, you're just looking for anything that can make you feel better in the moment. You just want a, a, a fresh drink, a fresh water that will quench your thirst, but all you have is salt water. It's a false satisfaction. It looks like the real thing, but in reality, it will kill you. And so we know in our life, every single one of us, we run into these every days, that there are so many false satisfactions that we think we can go to instead of God that will make us feel alive, that will make us feel better, but they will only kill us, and they will leave you more hurt and more broken, still looking for the wrong thing. That's what Paul is saying there in that passage. Like those people who are excluded from God, they're callous, they're futile. So what do we do instead? In verse 20, in this part, it really is my favorite part. So that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming about, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of truth. So Paul is saying, like, we are not to go back to that old life because we were taught the truth that is in Jesus. And so that part of truth, it can be kind of confusing. Like, what does truth have anything to do with this? It's because all lie or all sin, all temptations, they stem from a lie. Like the devil whispers a lie to you and makes you think, like, do this and it will lead to life. Everything that we do that's sin and temptation, it leads, it comes from a lie. And so the way you counter that is with a truth. And so we use that truth to take off that old life. And that word for take off, like that's a literal way. Paul is saying like literally take that off, leave it behind. That's the word that we use, like take off your clothes, take off your equipment. There is a real temptation to believe lies and go back to that old life or else Paul would not warn us about it. Paul, he's writing to Christians. 
He wouldn't write this if it wasn't a real temptation for once you have discovered the life in Christ to have a desire to try to go back to the old life. But Paul's saying, don't go back. We are saved, and God sees us as holy and blameless because of what Jesus did for us. But we still have that daily choice to take off the old life and go back to the new way of life. And so that should be the question that we should now be asking is, how do we do that? Because it's one thing to read this and be like, okay, take off the old life, put on the new life, cool. Now, how do I do that? It's by what we talked about last week. It's the process by abiding with Jesus. By being with Jesus, being in his presence. We talked about that last week. We talked about that at retreat. It's opening ourselves up to his transforming power by daily spending time in his presence, by making our home in him. That's what we talked about with that word abiding, making our home in him. Because the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you will realize your need for repentance. You see how this is all working together. You will realize how good and how holy and how pure God is, and you will realize that you're not, and you are the one that needs to change. You are, like when you spend time with Jesus and you open yourself up, and like, God, I'm just going to take five minutes just to breathe in, breathe out, to be in your presence, to, to pray a psalm, to read your word, you're going to realize God is too good. He's too pure. He's too holy. God, I am not like that. God, help me to become more like that. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more you realize you need to change. You take off that old self. You put on that new self, and you begin to repent. Repentance is a word that we use a lot, like repent and be saved, repent and confess. It's more than just a one-time thing. Like when I ask you, if anyone wants to give their life to Jesus, you raise your hand and you repent of your sins. It's more than that one moment. It is a daily, it should be an hourly thing that we do when we mess up and we try to go back to our way of life. We kind of talked about it last week, like repentance means literally doing a 180 and turning back to God or Tucker who was right there, I guess. It literally means you turn away from the sin and you turn towards God. So we take off our old life, we give it to God, and we pray and we ask Him to renew our minds by the Spirit that is in your mind. And so here's one of the main points, that change and transformation can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit and not by our own power or our own will. So then we have to daily choose to allow the Spirit into our lives through time spent with Jesus, and have him put on our new self. We're kind of talking about this on the Sunday mornings with putting on the armor of God. It's God's armor. God made it for you. You put it on. But God also puts it on you. This is the new self, the new identity that we already have when we accepted Jesus. That new self is who we are in terms of being like Jesus, made in the image of God. This is us. This is who we are. This is identity. In Paul, in Colossians, which is a letter that Paul wrote at the same time he wrote Ephesians, Paul says that this is already your current reality. Like in Ephesians, he's saying, like, you need to do this. Don't go back. But in Colossians, he says, this has already happened in you. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, do not lie to one another 
Since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, you are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your Creator. So in, in Colossians, this is kind of the tension. Paul says this has already happened. When you accepted Jesus, you already took off that old self. It's gone. You already put on the new self. It's there. And you are being renewed in the image of your Creator. In the image of Jesus who created you, you are being renewed. He says this is a current reality. This has happened. But in Ephesians... Paul is saying that this is still a daily choice. We still have to choose to walk in that, to put that on. It's an everyday choosing of opening ourselves up to his power to grow in our relationship with Jesus to become more like him. And so what does that look like? It's not just about knowing more about him. Like reading through Ephesians, reading through Colossians, reading through Romans, it's not just about knowing that and getting more information, but it's we experience our new identity. We begin to live it out. We begin to do what Jesus did with each step we take, with every conversation we have. We are walking and living in our new identity of being with Jesus. That's what we're going to go into in two weeks. But it's a daily choice to choose to believe the truth about Jesus over the lies of the enemy and to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. That is who God created you to be. That's the new identity, to be righteous, to be holy, to be in His image. Not just on pen and paper, not just in your mind, not just to know about it, but to walk it out and to live it out. And none of us have arrived at that either. Like becoming like Jesus, none of us are there yet, but it is a lifelong journey to become like Him. But I promise you, that is not a boring one. It's a life that is full of meaning and purpose and joy and peace of becoming more like Him as we surrender our hearts to Him. If Matthew, you want to go to come back. Here's one of the last points. Change comes... Transformation comes only as a result of bringing our lives into conformity with Jesus. Our new identity in Jesus, it requires a change in our thinking, in our behavior, in our habits. Paul says that the new self is created like God and is therefore righteous and holy. And so what that means, like he says, you are now holy, you are blameless. And so to live a life with your life, like your actual life, when you're walking around, you're speaking, you're talking, to live a life that is just like an unbeliever, that is unrighteous, and that is impure, that is completely inconsistent with who we are now in Christ. And so the action step for that, if you find yourself there, is for repentance and falling on our knees, and falling on the mercy of Jesus. Jesus says, you are holy and you are blameless. And to live any other way, it's to live inconsistently with who God called us to be. But the new identity that Paul says we have, it's real because of the relationship that we have with Jesus. Because Christ died to sin, because he has been resurrected to newness of life, the same can be said of us because we are united with him. 
That's what baptism represents, is that we are now dead to sin. We are dead to our old life. Jesus rose from the dead, and we come in conformity with him. We are raised to new life, and now we are a new creation, and we can live in that relationship because of the unity we have with Jesus. We have participated with Christ in his his death and resurrection. And that is the basis of our new identity with Christ, is that because Jesus died, because he rose again, and now he's sitting at the right hand of God in control of all the universe, that we get to sit with him after we rise again with him. We can die to ourselves. We can die to our old life and be raised to new life and find grace and mercy with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you've never come to that decision, maybe you've never realized your need for salvation. If you've never said yes to Jesus, but you want to, I just want you to raise your hand where you are so we can pray with you tonight. I see that in the front. Anybody else, you want to come into a new relationship. You want to actively become more like him and you don't feel like you have before. I see that in the back. I see that on the right. I just want everyone to say this after me. For those who are saying it, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. I believe in you. Help me to become more like you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.